Yes, we are back once again for uh, another episode of um, everyone's favourite podcast in so rare uh, stratosphere. It is end product. It is episode eighty-two, and as always, I'm joined by my sparring partner, Quinny. How are you, mate? Good, mate. I'm good. Good day. Good week to get prepped for it. It feels like finally we've got some options to toy around with this weekend. There's a lot more leagues back. Not quite everything yet. No. Uh, but yeah, feeling good. We're going to be back on the trail and getting some some old EP, get some old end products this weekend for sure, mate. Fingers crossed for that. Yeah, I managed to scrape in um, a couple of rewards, actually, in terms of like cards. Been been quite fortunate on the uh, thresholds again. The weekend just gone. But I managed to pick up two um, super rares, a tier four and a tier five. Um, one of them quite useful. Uh, let me just get into the gallery and remind myself of their exact names. But um, one of them was a goalkeeper. Uh, he's a, currently a sub goalkeeper. He's back up at um, Coventry. So I've been looking into seeing if I'm going to get much use out of him. I've kind of put a few tweets out, but Ben Wilson's his name. Um, he kind of was the number one goalkeeper at Coventry earlier in the season. Seems to have lost his place from the like the information I've been able to find. Did start in the cup recently though, so I wondered, you know, is that him edging his way back in, or is that him well and truly like you know second in the string of goalkeepers there? Um, according to a few Coventry fans and watchers who hit me up on Twitter, thank you guys. Uh, he's not likely to get in anytime soon, but because he's got that low L15 at the moment, it's 18. But you know, a few more game weeks if he doesn't play. He'll become one of those zero players. And as we've discussed before, don't mind having a zero goalkeeper who maybe, you know, if he gets a move in the summer, might become useful. If not, even using him in cap 220s, cap 240s, he might be all right once he gets a zero. And uh, the other one was a forward. He plays in uh, the second tier in Spain uh, at Albacete, Juanma, uh, forward. Um, scores are not fantastic, but he does play on and off so who knows might get some use out of him in those especially in those uh especially with la liga 2 players i find you get a little bit of utility through uh international break don't you because that tends to continue so yeah not not uh not too not too displeased with that as far as tier four and five go nothing that spectacular but they could come in handy at some point nice I got a wee bit of end product at the weekend. I finished in the top 30 and under 23 rare pro. I've not really played. I think it's the first time I've maybe played pro uh, under 23 this season. I didn't go back through all my game weeks to really check. I was I started and then I was like, this is just going to be impossible. It's just going to take me forever. I didn't bother. And uh, I got a little Arthur Tiati, who's been quite handy this year. Quite a spiky little under 23 defender. Mm. Uh, I traded them out for a 3D uh, Mike Noroki. Of Celtics, obviously the kind of number one backup centre back certainly at the moment. Maybe the the threat to Scales or maybe the the heir to Carter Vickers's injuries. Uh, so managed to oh, just, just trade him in just as a wee just you know just get him into the gallery kind of thing. So yeah, a little right. kind of wet of the appetite I think end product wise coming out the the old winter break. And all the chat that now, Stashy Boy, is all about end product. It's all about where are we going to find those wins on the leaderboard. What does winning look like? What's winning all about? And everything in between. We've been t- chatting a lot about rivals, I think, on the podcast the last couple of episodes. But this weekend, it does bring it all back to the fore. It's all about the leaderboards. It's all about the game week and, you know, where is everything going to be won and lost on the battle. And lots of sort of managers and scouts at the moment with where the market's at and any kind of speculation around 
competition reformat, and it seems to be bloody ever-present at this point. There's lots of opportunities for managers in the market to either consolidate some, you know, strategies that they've been running or evolve and move on some strategies that they've maybe been struggling to, you know, like the thing I've said to you before we're coming on is like, every time I look at a guy that's in my favorite list, I'm like, oh, oh, <laughs> how much is he? Oh, you know, so um, there's lots of opportunities there, kind of no matter what scarcity you're shopping in to either make that strengthen and move or maybe even make that move, you know, diagonally up potentially. Yeah, I like that. I've definitely been looking at my gallery. I think naturally this time of year, isn't it? I think when you start to see the fixture list kind of like padding out a little bit, got a bit more, a bit more of an option across um, the gallery again. As like, for me, I've I've noticed that some of the Americas uh, cards coming back in, and you know, in terms of goalkeepers, particularly from my gallery, you know, there are a few goalkeepers there that really open things up for me. Carlos Acevedo having him as a super rare, obviously, like. Gives me a strong option there um, for cap modes and it opens up potentially all-star for me as well. So that's been really nice. And yeah, it's got me looking ahead um, as I spoke to your fair, looking ahead at game weeks and just trying to figure out where the gaps are in my gallery, especially in those midweeks, just trying to make sure that I'm firing on all cylinders. Um, I mentioned it for uh, the listeners, but Quinny and I were just talking off air about some of the current strategies that we're kind of employing and, um, we'll get into uh, quite a few of those on the show today. And one of the things that I was talking to him about was looking maybe six game weeks ahead from now and realising that I've got some really strong options available in my gallery, but I've got a gap at uh, defence and forward uh, in goalkeeper. So obviously, as we know, goalkeepers are uh, pretty expensive gaps to fill, aren't they? So it's that kind of figuring out now is it worth me investing maybe i need to look ahead at more midweeks particularly and see where those gaps can be plugged but in my specific situation uh i think it's in like five or six game weeks from now it's a midweek and i find myself with matt o'reilly super rare nicholas kuhn super rare so two players that both play for celtic and if if kuhn becomes a starter could potentially become two really strong powerful cards both as super rare at a team that dominate in their division. Yet not having a goalkeeper means that them two cards are going to be pretty useless for me in that game week. Add into the mix that I've also got one Brunetta who's made a really good start um, in, in Tigris as well. Um, th three decisives on the bounce in three fixtures. So looking ahead at that game week, I'm starting to think to myself, do I need to invest in, you know, maybe like a Joe Hart? I say Joe Hart because logically every time that those two Celtic players are playing then he will be as well right or do I look a little deeper and see like where the kind of synergy is with those two players and see if I can pick up another goalkeeper as we know Joe Hart playing for Celtic probably doesn't keep as many clean sheets as you'd like um, and as we spoke about on the podcast recently didn't we uh, you know you had Quinny uh, some pretty good end products using your Celtic cards but not using Joe Hart using a different goalkeeper so yeah. I've been kind of, that's been playing in my mind. What do you reckon, Quinny? How how would you kind of advise through this? Is this something that's uh, that you've kind of had to figure out um, during your time on the platform? And, you know, is it something that you look at as well, like making sure that you've got um, lineups out in those midweeks, as you know, can be quite quite a good time to pick up a reward or two, can't they? Yeah, the, the, those island game weeks can be, you know, 
it's kind of feast or famine, you know, that there's not that many rewards. That's the thing that kind of gets missed in sometimes that, you know, when you're projecting ahead that there is only maybe depending on what division you're talking about, but a very small percentage compared to weekends paying out. So that really needs to pay off for it to pay off, you know, in that regard. But I do think that looking ahead to the fictionalist and targeting an island or a couple of island game weeks uh, is definitely a, a path to getting some success with moving your gallery on in some ways because sometimes like these island game weeks especially at this time of the season is like champions league knockouts europa league knockouts maybe there's some stuff in some other territories and some other continents or whatever it's just domestic stuff whatever but generally speaking that's what it is and subsequently because those cards are in play you know the rewards can be a little bit better in those kind of island midweeks and um, the, the main thing I think when everyone's kind of building their Soraya club is everyone wants the little teaspoons of success that their their strategy should be giving them, you know. So targeting or when you I, when you identify these game weeks, it's one of those ones where if you marry yourself to the fact that you're going after it and, uh, you know, you, you need to make it work, then sometimes the kick in the teeth of just missing out is what makes people change direction. And sometimes it's just, you know, it's your first attempt at pulling it off. So one it's the same as the international stuff we spoke about before like i find it really hard to to you know build for an international tournament just because of how quickly it can all be over or how easily plans can be undone and i think one island game week can kind of be in the same mode at least if, if you've got a team where you know like i'm thinking about the knockout round stuff it's really hard to forecast progression in that obviously but if it's like in colombia or america or something like you can just see oh they've locked out and they've got uh, four midweeks over the next two months then that's a bit better to to maybe skew your angling for. Yeah, no, I get that. I think I'd agree with you as well. Like, it's a good point you make on international tournaments because I guess now that we're in the middle of like the current sort of AFCON tournament, there must be a few listeners and people in the chat maybe that have maybe now figured out whether or not that it was worth their time investing into a team for AFCON. I think AFCON's a bit different because it happens at the same time when a lot of the major leagues are still active. But in the summer this year, obviously, we've got the Euros at a time when all the European football's finished and a lot of, um, you know, international uh, leagues will close down as well because they lose a lot of their big players to that tournament. So, um, yes, yeah, it's an interesting point because it's not one I've really looked at yet myself. Obviously, this is a good time, really, to be thinking about summer. But like I said, it's really hard to envisage what those squads might look like you know, what players might get injured, players that kind of like hit good form, players that dip again. Um, but yeah, I guess that's the difference, isn't it, between looking maybe just six weeks ahead at what you've got now versus six months. Um, and also, I think with like that looking ahead to maybe the summer, you've also got to factor in what does crypto do? What does the platform do, haven't you? And I mean, is that something that ever comes into your thinking? Do you ever think about will the overall price of cards go up or down? Is this a good time to buy? That kind of thing. Because I, I wouldn't say it really plays on my mind quite as much, but it's probably something that I should think about a little bit more. I just feel like it's a little bit hard to gauge. As and um, with the price of cards kind of ever moving, it's hard to know what are the opportunities in the market or what is a red flag in the market, if that makes sense. you know. So yeah. um, it's definitely one of those ones where like at the moment, I see plenty of opportunity to build upon the club I've got already. But it yeah. is that kind of, uh, you know, what does it gain you, you know, in that respect? So by adding in or moving up a strategy, you know, 
or not moving up a strategy necessarily, but like adding into what you've got already, does it make a material difference to the teams you'll be selecting? You know, and you've went through the lineup builder looking for, um, you know, just your coverage and where you're late and where you've got available and stuff like that. But I also think looking through the same thing and seeing realistically, like, you know, like what is my best team in my most competitive lineup? And then like, if I do add this guy in, how often would he actually, in theory, break into this team or make a difference to team number two or... You know, that one week I'm buying them for that it would cover me for the island game week. Could I get them to play a significant role in an important team outside of that? Um, so, yeah, I kind of yeah. I, I worry about that more than like because the price of Ethereum and what the market does, you're just never in control of. And I'm quite good with detaching myself from the parts I'm in control of and the parts I'm not. And the main thing I'm always in control of is the players I select, you know, to buy, to play, etc. So, uh, you know, it's maybe something I've, I've picked up from a previous life or a previous job or whatever, but I always just focus on what is like, what I can influence, what I can oh, actually yeah. have a, yeah, have a say in the outcome towards, you know, and then, as long as you understand the arena you're in or what's around you, then, you know, you're, you're, you're there to play, you're there to roll with the punches. So the stuff, as I say, that, you know, it's like with me, especially us who've been on the platform for a long time. It used to be the number one thing you would look for on your phone every day. You know, like <laughs> think about how many times a day you're on your phone looking at cards and so rare and your teams and rivals and all the rest of it. For so rare players for the longest time, the number one thing you checked on your phone was the price of ETH because it was changing all the time for better and for worse. But the consequences of it were really quite different in the market. Like if you woke up one day and ETH would, went from 1800 to 25 then that listing you've got on the market is totally different and that card, that offer you sent, you know, everything's now totally different all of a sudden. Um, and I think a lot of people wasted a lot, not wasted, that's not the correct word, but expended a lot of energy and brain power juggling around yeah. all that stuff. So I've always just tried to keep it out of my thinking because it's just, it just gets too much to absorb. Yeah, I think that's probably smart, to be honest. I think as well that the market for anyone who has followed it or hasn't and is interested, it's been a bit a bit uh, volatile of late anyway. So, um, which is nice when you're collecting your rewards in ETH because you get a little bit more ETH if you think it's going to go up anytime soon. But in terms of trying to figure out where the price of any cards go, I think that if anything I am thinking about at the moment, it is the supply of whatever the player is that I'm trying to pick up. And I think one thing that does ring true with a lot of the options that I'm looking at on the market for players that I am going to pick up, there's definitely, if any, if there is a um, price impact anywhere in the market versus, you know, like similar players, it's definitely, there's definitely a premium to be had on players who are at cut like leagues or teams where we know we're not going to get their cards, but they're still going to score points. So um, with the reopening of like the Mexican and um, Argentinian leagues recently, I've noticed a few goalkeepers in particular, like maybe move clubs, um have started well and you know you see that premium on their price don't you you think oh you yeah, they're putting up good scores but you're paying a premium to have those cards because their supply is low and it doesn't look like it's going to expand anytime soon which uh brings me on to another point which someone has brought up in the chat big up uh, the don of so rare for pointing out to us just now that while we've been on air that they have launched and added to uh the auctions porto and benfica um, which is really cool because we were wondering if we were going to get them, weren't we? And now our questions are answered. So there are there was someone in the chat trying to figure out if this is a time to sell um, their 
their uh, their sporting cards in case they come on as well. Um, do you stick or twist in this situation, Quinny? If you're a holder, um, let's say of like sporting, you know, would you would you be looking to sell those cards now? But do you think there's going to be a dip, or do you just hold on to them? Do you think that the supply of a team like that, or you know, even Porto, Benfica, Sporting in Portugal, you know, they're the power powerhouse clubs, aren't they? But they're also they have a lot of moving parts, don't they? Because their academies are good. They've got a lot of players in and out, a lot of youth. So, um, yeah, how how would you play that if you were a power user of say Sporting, for example? If if you were doing it to like if you like if you've got the Sporting stack or the Benfica team or whatever it is with the view of uh, you know, you've, you've maybe held the season bonus an extra length of time, or you're holding on a market value, like you're kind of describing there with the choked supply, with the view of capitalizing upon that to then move somewhere else, then it's maybe close to that time to execute and move on to something else. You know, it's maybe close to that point. But if it is just to catch a high and then wait a while to then buy them back when they're a bit cheaper or something, it just feels like too much work for probably not enough gain. You know, and that who knows how much gain there, there would be in that. Don't take that as as gospel, of course. But that's what my thinking would be with it. Like with New York cards or Celtic cards or anything, you know, it's like oh, you know. So for me, if it is like actual support of the club, because Rico Man, who's asked the question, I know follows sporting very intently now. Like I can, I've done this with Celtic and with New York, who I've both just kind of mentioned there. But for me, when the new season cards come out, I'm more filling squads, so I've already got a strong collection of let's say sporting because that's the example but sporting in the summer they signed two guys or they got a new guy from the academy and you know you don't have these cards i then kind of look at it as more a case of where's the missing pieces so i've still got the rotation coverage in the squad right okay there's five of them and then yeah can i get that to three percent no i can't okay so it's gonna be two percent anyway how many of them do i need to buy off the market how many of them can i buy secondary or whatever and then work it from there but i say if the play is to enjoy them in the market because they had a choked supply and they were more expensive than some of their contemporaries and yeah if that's the angle then it's maybe time to execute yeah i've been trying to do that with Trubin, as is mentioned also there and i mentioned to you beforehand like i don't know i just got people were mentioning in the members chat and in a few other places just like oh benfica cards are back on auction like last season's ones they were back on auction like last week and i just thought oh no Trubin is in that kind of situation of Short mm. supply performing very well under 23 premium and i was just thinking is this maybe the week where, yeah you know well, i love tribune i love him but buying a goalkeeper for 25 pound the objective is always to to try and peek on it at some point and catch it um he's been he's been more expensive i've probably missed that opportunity don't get me wrong and we'll see how the <laughs> auctions go today but um it is something that you always contemplate and for me Stash, i always call it uh, in my mind anyway uh, kamada syndrome because one of the very first cards i really enjoyed on the platform was a Daichi Kamada card I had. He got six issues when he was in Belgium. And then obviously he was at Frankfurt for about two or three seasons. The majority of the time he's been on so rare and they won on the won the Europa League and they were very good in the league. And his price was amazing for ages because he only had six cards and he was, you know, it was a smaller field of players to choose from. So a guy that could bring in 40 or 70, you know, and was under 23 was moderately appealing. But as soon as they did the Bundesliga deal and they got all the Bundesliga cards come out. His price went from being hanging and obviously price of ETH and everything was totally different. But imagine it was like a quarter of an ETH for 0.3. Yeah. It then turned into 0.12 overnight, you know. Um, or Sorloff. Okay. It could be called Sorloff Syndrome. He had the same thing with Alexander Sorloff, but he was rubbish. Um, <laughs> but yeah. 
Yeah, I'm trying to think of a few players I've got in my gallery like that because I I paid out for like uh, Joel Perroa, who is still in quite low supply because he's at Leeds, um, but he has PSV cards available from a few seasons back. Um, and until recently, he was pretty nailed on at Leeds, a club that like, you know, we're looking to dominate in the championship, under 23, all that midweek potential. So he was one of those cards I kind of bought ahead of time thinking Leeds are going down. He's going to be in the championship. He's under 23. You know, he's a big scorer at Swansea as well before he went to Leeds. So I was definitely looking at what's going to happen with Leeds this season when they went down. Like, are we going to get Leeds mints in the championship or was that part of like a prem only deal? Um, so his supply is quite low, but he's kind of recently lost his position in the starting lineup. He, you know, he still gets on and managed a decisive from the bench on the weekend, but didn't play in the midweek. And that's kind of what he's in my gallery for, really. Um, you know, adding to the mix, whether or not, you know, U23s as appealing as it was, I've been kind of putting him actually more into like the all-star kind of entrance, in especially in the midweeks where I thought he was going to score highly. But uh, yeah, it's, it is an interesting touch point for anyone holding those Benfica sporting cards. So definitely, I, f I feel that a lot with my own gallery, especially... Uh, cards that I've got that maybe playing like the Chinese Super League, for example, I'll always be looking for players that maybe move in there. I think that that's like almost like the dream SO5 scenario is you, one of your cards moving to Chinese Super League to go to a team where they're likely to perform in every game and score highly. And that stops the supplier, but it doesn't stop the scoring. Plus, from my experience, Chinese Super League is one of those um, leagues where you do get those random midweek fixtures as well. So, I definitely had a lot of luck with the cards that I held from that platform, uh, from that league, sorry, last season. And I think one of them um, was Kim Min Woo, who was playing for Chengdu. And I haven't seen anything official just yet, but there was a lot of noise that he was going to be moving to Ulsan, which isn't a bad move. Um, but it just means, you know, we might get supply. Obviously, there's another talking point there, isn't there, on the whole situation with... The Korean coverage, like if you can put up with waiting for those scores to come in and, you know, on some of those, obviously we've got the Korean um, fixtures through now. And there are some of those game weeks where there's going to be people kicking off like at 2 p.m. on a Friday where they're not probably, unless there is some kind of resolution with the scoring situation, their scores are not going to be added to your teams on those midweeks um, and they won't be of any use for the weekends either. So, it's, um, yeah, I think it's crunch time, isn't it? I think we should expect some kind of communication from SoRare about that uh, in the next few weeks because the season starts in four weeks, I think. The beginning of March is the first game weeks for Korea. So be interesting to see how that pans out. Um, but yeah, that kind of like kind of ties into the whole supply thing as well because I think I do worry for holders of Korean cards if there isn't like a sensible outcome from the findings of the tests that they said they did with uh, the South Korean cards and like the, the sort of alternative coverage. I don't know what it's called, um, but it's not Opta. I forget um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that pans out as someone who does have uh, quite a few sort of South Korean options. Yeah, Rico Man in the chat saying if the Asian Cup is anything to go by, we will get told last minute. Um, I would say then on that note, 
maybe no news is not good news because <laughs> if they get a lazy, maybe if we knew that it was good news we'd know about it now so might that might be uh it might be worth considering but you know i just i, I feel more i guess for, for me it's not it's not the end of the world because i haven't got like a, the majority of my gallery in uh, south korea like some people do and i think that they're the people that are going to really feel um the brunt of any situation um that doesn't end positively from that kind of part of the stratosphere if you like mm -hmm. but but yeah we'll be keeping an eye out for that no doubt so quinny with just to get back onto you you mentioned in trubin there you've obviously had recent success in uh u23 what is the sort of play there for you in terms of like moving potentially moving Trubin on? Is that was that purely like potentially trying to ride that kind of the fin the financial ups and downs of it, or was the potential move out for Trubin more of a um, you know re time to reinvest into I uh, maybe a chat more challenger um, options or or a, or rare pro rare plus that that kind of thing? What was the thinking there? Yeah, well, I've got the opportunity. I've kind of enjoyed over the last couple of weeks, like um, in terms of strengthening the club and some of the stuff we we're mentioning at the kind of beginning there, is like bringing in, and it's actually a good, it's going to be a good week for him now after it being a bit of a bad week for him, but bringing in guys like Goretzka, obviously I got Oil Azabalan right at the beginning of the winter window, Timo Werner. Like I'm looking at super rares now that not that long ago were so far beyond me. And I'm sure, like, I see the same at Rare. I've seen this to you before we came on. I might have said it at the beginning of the show, but every time I, I go into the secondary market and filter by favourites, I can't believe the price of some of the guys. I've been crossing my yeah. fingers and thinking, oh, if I save up or if I get a few wins under my belt, maybe I'll go and get this guy or that guy. So many of them are, like, right in touching distance. And for me, when it comes to, like, the pro aspect of so Rare, like, playing so Rare pro and, like, playing for competitive, all the things that come around with being competitive, you know, cards, money, and everything else in between, um... That's always what I'm pushing the gallery to be better at, you know. So it is a case of having a market situation where Trubin, like, I don't know what you'll, like, what you'll go for today, but, you know, when I'm looking at my gallery value and what I've got versus contemporaries in the market, like Trubin, last sale before today was like 0.61. The one before that was 0.59. And back in December, it was like mega when he was first playing for Benfica, it went Belubas. Um, and like Vandevert's, a quarter of an yeah. eighth, you know, there's actual non 23 keepers that are like 0.1 and yeah. stuff like this. So I kind of thought if I can sell Trub and replace him in spirit, if I had another goalkeeper, whether it be challenger or whether it be under 23 or not, I'm not, you know, cross that bridge in a minute. Um, but when with the surplus, could I really reinforce with, you know, a headline kind of acquisition like some of the guys I've named already? And I know they're not everyone's cup of tea, but they're my cup of tea. And they're the sort of yeah. guys that I want in my gallery. And I believe they'll do well for me, you know. So it was more that kind of, I'm always about having your cake and eating it, if you can. You know, could I sell a goalkeeper and replace him with a goalkeeper that's on paper the same thing and yep. have something big and shiny to show for it? That's most of my good moves that I've made in the story that have moved my club on. That kind of thing has gone on somehow. So it was more that I kind of maybe had a bit of deja vu and thought, okay, this might be another Harwood Bellis. This might be another Hakimi. This might be another... Van der Voort, like the you know previous times I'd had him, and uh, yeah, sadly I just don't think I've got there quick enough. I don't know. As, as soon as people were saying Benfica cards, I was already thinking about it. Any people like that on oh, last season Benfica cards are on sale again? I just thought, oh man, uh, I'm looking at this 
and this is happening at the same this is a sign i should be moving i should be doing something with this at the moment that's just kind of how it felt and i just i was maybe a day or two behind what i should have been because the sort of when you're doing that when you're selling like a high value piece in your limited gallery your rare gallery or whatever and you're going to go and execute it, realize the profit, make the trade, make the bank, whatever it is you're, you're looking to do with it. You only get to do it once, you know, like, and I've said this quite a lot on the podcast over the 80 plus episodes or whatever, but like, once you sell Trubin, once you sell Akimi, once you sell Taylor Harwood, Bellis, Kieran Trippier, whoever it is, once you sell them, they're gone. You know, like, and it's like, and it kind of comes back to the Sport and Lisbon thing. Like, if you're going to buy the Sport and Lisbon cards back anyway, like, you then need to think about what is, the cost of the upheaval you know are you yeah. gaining much if anything is the gain worth it um if that makes sense so it's about picking your moments for some of these ones and i just felt that was maybe a moment yeah no i like that one i i don't know if you remember when i won the vandervoort um in the game week a few months back now but that was my thinking as well was like i've already got a vandervoort so it kind of doesn't i'm not i'm not a massive fan of having two of the same player. I do have a couple of like that, but Vandervoort was, he just felt like a bit of a expensive luxury in my gallery for someone who already had one. And I was ex exactly the same as you. Can I sell this card and get something equally as good for less money? And when I was looking at Vandervoort, for example, I was looking at potential like similar goalkeepers and Another issue I had with Vandervoort was actually his price is really high, but his supply is massive because he's been on the platform since it began. We get like, yeah. there's hundreds of Vandervoorts out there. So that's another reason where I felt like holding him didn't make as much sense. If I needed options, I need a, I probably need a goalkeeper that, that is less likely to be seen in, in the, the, the sort of top five teams or whatever. So I was probably the most dangerous under 23 keeper in that sense, eh? because he, as soon as he goes, oh, 23. He'll have oh, a mad supply really? and then he's a guy. Yeah. Interesting. That's it. And I think he'll be a great keeper to have for that. So for me, like I don't mind holding on to him until you know, I'll probably use him forever. He could go on to become like one of the great goalkeepers on the platform. So I don't mind having him in that sense. But in terms of having him for U23, it was like this is an expensive luxury and his price is massive. Considering his supply, his price is massive. So I felt a little bit like I think he might be a bit overpriced in the market as it is. But then I looked at maybe replacing him with Trubin or the other one I was looking at was uh, Chevalier at uh, Lille. But because of their supply being the complete opposite, because we didn't have Lille cards at the time, we've since had new mints for Lille. But when I was looking, Trubin and Chevalier were two of the best performing goalkeepers on the platform in U23, but they also have had like stunted their supply. It was there was no new mints of them as far as we could see. Obviously, that's changed for both of them now. But um, but yeah, in the end, what I did was like, right, I sold him and I thought, cool, I've got that ETH in the bank now and I will probably wait for like a good time to try and buy a replacement. So I was looking at obviously these two guys, potentially uh, like another sort of Asia or America option who is U23. But then... I think I mentioned this to you maybe off air. Obviously, recently we've had the news of Tani uh, moving back to yeah. J League. And that, for me, already plugs the gap. Because when I went in with the in the mindset of, right, I need to replace, I need another U23 rare keeper, but it can't be Vandervoort, get the money and then we'll buy. At, in that moment in time, I was waiting 
expecting to only have maybe two goalkeeper options after the summer, and that would have been uh, Vandervoort and uh, Chris Brady, super rare. The rest of mine would have aged out. So I was like, I'm kind of short a uh, rare goalkeeper um, option. But then obviously, like I said, Tani came in. And then more recently, we've had uh, Okoye at Udinese, who seems to have semi-cemented himself into that like number one position, maybe at least until the end of the season. We'll see how that pans out. But I'm in a much better position now than I was in when I won the Vandervoort. And um, even another random one, like Calvin Ratsy has gone on loan to um, to uh, Rhoda JC, who are in the second tier of Dutch football. But he's become a starter there and they're currently like third in the league. So they could get promoted if they ended up signing him permanently. Then I'd have another super rare goalkeeper, U23. So anyway, long story short, I think the point I'm trying to make is I've learned through not rushing into that decision that actually I'm now like probably about 700 quid better off for it because I sold the goalkeeper and I have and now I probably don't even really need another U23 option unless a load of injuries come about. So yeah, just a little uh, nod to the importance of being patient and, you know, knowing when to strike. And like to your point earlier about, seeing the price of the cards that you really want start to drop. If I wanted to go back in the market for a Chevalier now, he would be a lot cheaper than he was when I was looking when I sold that Vandervoort. And I could probably get him for probably roughly the same price now as the Vandervoort that I sold, maybe maybe even less because he's got that supply coming from the Lille cards. Yeah, I think Chevalier as well, because when he was like breaking through as a number one, he had no cards at all for ages as well. So he's just like... His prices is up, well, obviously until much uh, until recently, but it was always mad inflated. And yeah, Tani again, like as well for me, it's not like Trubin. Oh, I'm going to cut off under twenty three. I've got a lot of accidental under twenty threes, like guys I would have anyway, and I've obviously won one or two of them along the way. And I don't think I've done that great in under twenty three this season, to be quite frank. But I do have players that put, should be putting me in the picture, and you know I, I don't mind continue to compete in there. Uh, with the tribune and like just keeping them rolling on but I do look at like so when I look at the kind of top end of the gallery and you're moving into the cards where you're getting a bit more excited with and it's like oh imagine I could win a tier two at that level or imagine I could mm. pick up a tier one or something like that Um, it's you know the opportunities for those ones you know the ones where you've been eyeing up the most are, are the ones where like they, they just make the biggest difference. Like I've been quite, I've had a bit of fun in this January transfer window the last couple of days. Stish, I've went out and I've got some January transfer, like not rumors, but like deal could be on. That's when I kind of like to jump yeah. on. Love that. Um, and I got a Shinaldo Becker who made a great debut in the cup for Sociedad last night. I got him for 0.02 of an ETH, an old threshold, 40 quid. I got a Stefano Sensei in for 50 quid, 0.025. I just think him at Leicester and that Maresca team, he could just be an AA killer. And I also went out and I got a little guy because I've got Trubin on first owner, right? And mm -hmm. I've got a Konya Planka jersey mint and I've got a Manor Solomon. So between the three of them, I had a Shakhtar collection at 110.2%. But when I enlisted Trubin, I lose 10 points. It puts me on 100. And in mm -hmm. that kind of finagling of seeing if I could get money for Trubin and make some sort of magical deal happen, I also included Solomon in a kind of a bought valuation situation, which lost him 10 points on collection bonus. So 
for £10, I went and picked out a player I'd actually bought this summer and sold him because he, he got a terrible loan. Lazio midfielder, who's on loan at PAL, Marcus Antonio, formerly of Shakhtar Donetsk, obviously. Because I've seen a little, one of these rumours, but it's not a rumour, but it's like the deal might be on. He might be going to Brazil on loan for yeah. the remainder of. And in my experience, European-class players, Brazilians especially, that go, especially ones that are young, when they go back home, yeah. they normally springboard. You know, they normally do quite well and then maybe move to La Liga or move to Benfica or something like that, you know. So he was a tenor. Got my Trubin and Cole back on to 2%. So all this listing shenanigans isn't done me anything. And he was a tenor. So what's that there? 80, 100, basically about 100 quid on three transfer plays, a forward and two mids. So I've had a wee bit of fun with some frivolous ones, but it's just because of how cheap they are. Like, yeah, I think uh, Sensei and Becker, for example, um, as individuals, like they, they can score over 60 plus yeah. half a dozen times each this season. And to bring in scores like that will make a difference to some of my teams. Absolutely. I'm a bit jealous of your uh, market activity. I've, I've, I've not been that fortunate recently and like anything that i've seen on the market where i didn't feel was like the right price and i've gone in with offers i've just nothing's really landed for me um the only one i did pick up recently was on transfer news um was um a player i had in limited uh, ricardo centurion who moved to a club that was uncovered and i saw that it was announced that he was moving back to velez um you know where he'd done quite well a few seasons back he's a little bit older now i think he's 31 now um, but Velez have obviously like let go of quite a few players. Um, he's going to come in. He's got a forward card. I put in a cheeky offer of about 50 quid, I think it was, for his super rare. One, number one as well. Not that it matters because it wasn't really, you know, I think he was with, um, I can't remember what club it was, but it's the red and blue side. Um, he, he's got cards with Velez. He's got cards with um, whatever that red and blue. Fortaleza? No, it's, um, hold on. I'm going to I'm gonna get him up on the centurion ricardo centurion um what is that red and blue side sorry mate <laughs> but yeah he it, that's gonna annoy me now no normally wouldn't but um oh san lorenzo that's who it is ah. yeah he, was it san and then he moved um yeah he moved to uh baracas central he was playing there um for a bit and yeah, like he, he he's capable of putting up big scores when he's in good form. But anyway, long story short, saw some news. He hasn't been updated until really recently. Um, but I picked him up really cheap. I think I got his rare for like a tenner or something like that. Really cheap. And nice. hopefully, you know, if he turns out to be a starter, but I do love it when you get ahead on a bit of news. Um, and I think that one was just didn't seem to have been picked up you know when you look on so rare data and there's that hasn't got that little spike particularly on the limited yeah. if you see that you know that everyone knows that the move's going ahead and everyone's jumping on it early and you might have missed the opportunity to get in at the bottom end of that spike but um he had a little spike um not a, not a massive one he's still very cheap i think but uh but yeah managed i managed to pick him up um at probably like a quarter of his current floor price but not many other people picked him up yet but if he does go on to play, then he'll be a bargain. And if he's not, it hasn't cost me the the world to, to to take a little punt on him. And I think that is the one part of so rare when like my gambling hat comes on a little bit is like 
let's have a little punt on someone who might have that move. And um, I don't know about you, but I follow a lot of like the sort of um, transfer accounts all over the world on on Twitter. And one of the things I love doing is when someone gets the, you know, like the here we go, and it's a player maybe that's moved in South America, not one of the big, big clubs, because normally we've been listening to stories about those sort of transfers for months on end until they happen. But, you know, if we get like a little here we go somewhere, I love to go back through Twitter and search like that player and that club and find out who who first who was the first person to mention a potential move. Because 99 times out of 100, it's not the person that breaks the news at the end of it. It's not you know, you're a, you're Fabrizio Romano's or, or, or Ornstein's it's someone else on the ground yeah. at local level. And I love following accounts like that for those random kind of South American teams, those, you know, uh, Colombian teams, Peruvian teams, they'll have, they'll have their equivalent um, Ornstein's won't they on the ground. And I've started to put them together in a bit of a list so that I can kind of keep an eye on a, a lot of Google translate activity and see if we can pick up a, a bargain or two especially when it's goalkeepers i love love a goalkeeper trade even if it's not one that i particularly need but um really interesting um i love i love that part of the game getting in early and uh, that was like my centurion move was the only one of those i've really made um in this window uh the don of Soria, where would one be able to see that if you follow me on twitter at plastician you go into lists i think as like so rare info i think it's public you can just see all the accounts that I follow for like football and so rare information. If uh, let me have a look and see if that works. If you go onto plastician and then you go into lists, view lists, and then uh, yeah, so rare info feed. I think you can follow it. And uh, yeah, there's like 200 accounts I follow, and you know, it's everything from your, your Ornsteins to like football talent scouting uh, accounts stats coaches that kind of stuff it's a bit of everything it might be a little bit overwhelming if you want to check it out but definitely some useful ones if i ever find a decent account he goes in there and follow him and see uh see what the crack is because i think it's really difficult isn't it if you're looking at those um south american leagues that kind of thing to kind of stay up to to date with transfers i find particularly difficult actually like turkish league the Turkish league really <laughs> hard to find. I don't know if it's just because the maybe a lot of the Turkish players have very common names. Um, obviously not common to us, but maybe in parts of Turkey. Whenever I search for players, like Yildirim, like, yeah, like pop stars, name pop stars will come up, or like uh, uh, politicians or something like that. I think um, I think I've got a goalkeeper who's out on loan in the second tier of Turkish football, like Fenerbahce backup. And I search him every now and then to see how he's getting on. And uh, I think he has the same name as a major politician over there. So it's really hard to kind of keep up with what he's up to. But, but yeah, it's um, we got FIFA royalty in the chat saying some of the South American journalists have like 1,000, 2,000 followers, but they, uh, they're they just as reliable as uh, as yeah. anyone. You just don't know who's looking. Obscure, isn't it? Because it's like Bolivia or it's like a rural bit of Brazil or something like that. I've, yeah. I, I, on the whole South America thing, I've got a guy, uh, Tiago Andrade, in my New York City collection. He moved to Fluminese from New York. Mm, and the that. reports have, I think they're all but confirmed, but he's now left Fluminese. He's on his way to China. Really? So, yeah. 
Thiago Andrade, like, I'd like him to go to Celtic, maybe. I think he's a great player. He's one of my favourites at New York, you know, I thought he was quality. But yeah, he's on his way to, he's like going to China. Shezwan. I don't even know if they're in, in the proper division. I better go check that now since we're talking about it. Uh, it says, so one of the accounts I do follow, the Asian Football News uh, account, uh, they're, they're, they're kind of reporting it and they're normally pretty pretty on point when it comes to the moves. And yeah, they said Sichuan Jinyu. Uh, um, it is a Super League team, I think. So that could be really good if you've still got his card, Quinny. You still got that one? Yeah, yeah. From a New York collection, ticking on 15%. I don't see the team, but maybe it's a different spelling on his website. But there's a team called Shenzhen who are bottom. I hope it's not them. Yeah. But I remember it's S-E-C-H. It's Sheshan or something, isn't it? I don't see yeah, it. Maybe they got promoted from the second tier, maybe? Possibly. Possibly. I think um, one of the teams that came up is like a, a, a big spender. Yeah, they, have, they won the bottom division. There you go. Yeah, I found yeah. it. That's cool. He'll be he'll be in their team. Hopefully they're half decent. <laughs> Get me some points. The team is entirely Chinese, I think. Uh, there is a Spanish manager, two Spanish players that you've never heard of, and a Nigerian that you've never heard of. So I think Tiago Andrade is uh, the star of the show, the star attraction of this team. So it's going to be really interesting. I think we might be waiting. I love, love the China cards. Yeah, I, I love them, man. I always, I think that's a big one for me is like anyone linked to China, sometimes I'll pay a little bit over the odds to get them in because if they do go, in my experience, I've had, um, so Romulo went really well for me and Felipe and actually Kim Min Woo was really good as well. Um, so all of the Chengdu cards I bought. And then if you look um, historically at, um, was it Son Jun Ho? Who moved over yeah. there from um from John Book and he was like the highest scoring card on the platform for ages until he got embroiled in some kind of gambling um thing and he's in big trouble over there over it apparently. But a lot of people um are very skeptical of how like real those uh those reports are. But it, anyway, nonetheless, he's not been able to play. But another card is a guy called Davidson, who I think is like an AA monster over there. So, you know, it doesn't even need to be a big name player. It could just be like a run of the mill player playing in the K League who makes that move to China, finds themselves in like a good position in the team, maybe gets on a set piece or two. So, yeah, I, I definitely get quite excited when I see uh, any of my players linked um to china in in also in in other news in the sort of like asia region as well another thing i haven't mentioned but i think i've mentioned using the so rare base website before it's quite useful to see um any moves that have happened inside your gallery if you search for your manager name on so rare football and then underneath your manager name there's like a little sort of like um drop down menu and there's one called like Mercato. If you click that, it shows all the any move that any of your card has made from club to club. And one that I completely missed, which came up in my gallery this week, which was a really good one for me. Uh, Quinny, you might be familiar with him, uh, a defensive midfielder, uh, Daiki Matsuoka, who a few years ago was at uh, Sagan Tosu. Then he went to Shimizu S-Pulse, who got re relegated. But he was sent out on loan to like the second tier of Brazilian football. And he barely played a minute. He had a bit of a tanny situation, similarly, when he went out on loan to the Belgian second tier. Anyway, he has returned to the J-League. He's been um, he's been moved hey. to uh, a Visper uh, Fukuoka for the season. So 
I am going to get used to the card that I haven't had use of for a long time, but just held on to him because I didn't want to let him go cheaply. And yeah, I do like a defensive midfielder. I think they're a, in the right team, can be a, like a powerhouse of all around scores. So fingers crossed for him next season. But that was a, a nice little, it's almost like a new sign in, isn't it? When you, you know, your prodigal son returns to, to the four and available for selection. But I think because of the way, Maybe the Japanese uh, football transfers are reported, maybe, or, or Opta updated, whatever. If you look on the SoRareBase.Football website, just on the main page, you can go to the Mercado um, drop-down menu there, and it will just show you every card on the platform that's moved club to club. And there is just an absolute slew of players within the J-League. So I think maybe the J-League um, have updated their rosters now, like on sort of wherever we or SoRare gets their like data from for the API. All of those transfers have been updated on the SoRare system now. So if you've got any J-League players, have a little look at your gallery on there if you might have missed something. But there was definitely a few that I completely missed. But his one was uh, particularly um, appealing to me. Quinny, have you had any fortunate moves in your gallery through uh, the last month or so? Yeah, I had one. I don't know if I've mentioned it on the show, but like in the whole Girona collection I've been building, uh, about two months ago, I bought a jersey number. So it was number two in the squad. Um, uh, Bernardo Espinosa, who's like a 33-year-old centre-back at Girona, he's moved back to Colombia to like the best team or one of the best teams in Colombia. He's made his debut, a solid 48 with no clean sheet, which is nice. So... um. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't see that coming. And like I was kind of like, oh, yeah, maybe we'll use this guy. But Kieran Tierney picked up a bit of an injury uh, last night. I think he'll be out for another month. And so he had signed a replacement or signed another left back on loan because the other left back they had, Munoz, he's done his ACL. So I thought, crap, I've now lost Tierney. I'm down, down a super defender. And then all of a sudden I see this guy playing for Atletico Nacional in Colombia. <laughs> you know? um, I got the telltale offers from people when it happened. Like, so I knew it was coming. Yeah. And also in that collection, I've got Ibrahim Akebe, who's like a defensive midfielder, scored really well in La Liga 2 for Girona like three years ago or whatever. And he's just been loaned, he's just been loaned down to that division. So he'll be getting some utility. Don't know how good he'll be if, if, if I'll use him. But uh, some nice, uh, happy accident transfers. Also, Gonzalo Cuedes has went to Villarreal uh, under the same manager he had at Valencia. And one thing that this may be a bit of a tip, a bit of a shout, right? But if you look at Gongalo Cuedes and when he was at Valencia, he had some really, really good scores. He had some really good form. The number one problem with him is he only had midfielder cards. And the midfielder scores, if he changed the setting, they're way worse than the forward cards. Um, but the Benfica yeah. issue that he got is forward. So if he's back in La Liga with the same manager, with Danny Parejo in the team again, I know Danny Parejo's a bit injured now and whatever, but it was the same kind of time period these guys were playing. Um it could be a good one. And he's got a forward card available. Now, it's only the Benfica issues, so none of the Valencia issues. Uh, oh, there's a, I see a Wolves forward card here as well for sale, a number one of. It's got a wee nice one on it. So, um, so Gongalo Cuedes is another one that's happened. Maybe it'll be useful, but he's one to watch out for, especially the forward card being available. It could be a really sneaky one. Yeah, I like that. I've, and I've just had a look at their website as well. And actually, the Kim Min Wu transfer did go through two days ago. So he has moved... Uh, from the Chinese Super League to uh, Ulsan Hyundai. So a bit gutted that I'm not going to have a bit of a Chinese Super League activity, but that does mean that 
if he does come into a team like Allsan and can like cement his place in the starting lineup, um, I've got quite a few cards um, from that team now. So not an awful move for me, gallery wise. That's always nice, isn't it? When you kind of stumble on a new kind of stack, if you like. And I think that yeah, that is potentially a really good one at a club like Allsan who have been pretty dominant in the K League. But uh, yeah, there's so much going on in the transfer market. It is really hard to keep on top of it, but it is nice, isn't it? When like you're on the right side of a good transfer. Um, in other transfer news, someone who's not, in my opinion, I want to get your opinion on it, Quinny, though. Uh, Arthur Vermeeren, um, heavily tipped to be moving to Atletico Madrid from Antwerp. Obviously, he's been one of the big breakout stars in probably in European football, actually, because he's been so good in the Champions League as well um, against yeah. the likes of Barcelona. So he really put himself on the map this season, hasn't he? He's super young. He's got a world at his feet. Quinny, uh, how do you rate his potential move to Atletico Madrid? I think it's all but done, um, according to a lot of the transfer um, accounts on Twitter. So, yeah, what, what do you reckon uh, the, the future holds for him? I think it'll be... I think it'll be great at Athletic, to be honest with you. If you watch Athletic, they've been quite painful, as everyone in the Soda community loves to talk about. They're very painful to watch for SO5 purposes if you've not got Griezmann, especially. Yeah. But um, one of the things that really has held them back, as much as the guy's a club legend, is Koke in centre defensive mids. Because like, their midfield, like, he wants to play DePaul in every game. He wants to play Lorente. He wants to play Barrios, guys that are more mobile to help carry the ball a bit more. And he can't not play Koke because there's not another defensive mid. Not that he uh, even is a defensive mid. He just kind of fell into there through age and just becoming less mobile. But they need a real centre mid, defensive mid to allow DePaul the space to be DePaul. And whoever else yeah. they're going to bring on into the team for that attacking pace. Because that's the way it's kind of... DePaul's on playmaking stuff, you know. Koke, who it has been, has been the you know defensive mid. But ideally, they want someone in there that can cover ground and tackle a bit better. And then they've got another midfielder who's normally just going in for overloads and going in to, you know, maybe even overlap in the wide areas or get into the box itself. So when that's the little triangle, if you've got Koke at the base of that, who doesn't cover much ground, although fantastic at passing and a great leader and a captain, it's part of the thing where Atletico Madrid have dropped points. It's just they get cut open sometimes and it, you know, it's just kind of like, yeah, all their, all their fragility gets shown. So I think Vermeeren will be a double-double merchant in this team. I don't see him not getting duels galore. I don't see him not getting interceptions galore. Tackles are a hard statistic to measure um, in terms of forecasting and whatever, but Spanish football, the way Atletico Madrid play, like double-double should be on the cards for him quite often, I would think. don't know about final third. It's yet to be seen. It's a big step up going from La Liga. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, hard to see how many minutes he'll get, but there's a place in the team for him, undeniably. He's not one of these guys that's making a move and you're like, how does he even get in this team? Or... Oh, he's mm. going to have to be really good to get in ahead of him or, you know, the place is there for him in the team to take. Uh, so I think it's a good move. And we're now starting to see Coop Miners has been linked to Juventus. It might be one of those moves where he goes to Athleti, is good, and then goes somewhere. And you're like, whoa, whoa right. he's, a, he's a Rodri now. You know, he's been at Athleti yeah. and done his time, you know, or whatever. I mean, yeah, that that's a good example, isn't it, of that kind of Athleti uh, step, really. Uh, Rodri is yeah. kind of as good as it gets, but... Yeah, for me, I think short term, his SO5 output will probably be not quite where it, where it was. But like, I'd, I'd agree like for, with you in that he fits the system, what they need. It's a bit gutting, obviously, from as a Man United fan, seeing a, a player like that move to 
Athletic because he's exactly the kind of piece that we could do with, but he's probably a bit young and you know to cut come and try and cut his teeth in the Premier League off the back of uh, uh, the Belgian Pro League bit bit of a big step up especially for someone of his age, but a massive signing for the future and I think on you know the evidence we've had up to this point I don't think he's miles off being like at the level that he needs to be to like really make it in. Atletico, but I do think like in the short term, maybe between now and the end of this season, it could be a potentially, uh, you know, we could see a drop in his price. If he is a card or a player that you like and you're thinking, I would like one of them in my gallery, I I wouldn't be surprised if we see a dip in the price because of obvious rotations, that kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree. I think it's a great move for him. Maybe not a great move for SO5 for holders of him just yet, but could be an opportunity to get in if you haven't got him now i i would i would be watching his price for a potential entry little drop in price there maybe but um yeah still really scored, he, he still should score pretty well because athletic do dominate possession against a lot of teams so he should get a lot of frivolous passes as well and one of the things he did impress with in the champions league was being in the final third creating some he got some assists i think he scored against barca maybe you know so like i wouldn't totally you know he's still very young a lot of development but I yeah do, like I do think it's one of the moves that could be not too bad, you know, SO5-wise. I don't think, it, you know, being at Antwerp to win in the league, it's hard to be better than that SO5-wise for a wee guy like him. True. But I don't think it's that bad a move. I think he'll still, he can still shoot around the 60s most games on AA, I think. I think the main issue I've got is like the one that you highlighted around like Koke and like how they kind of like ease him out of the selection. And yeah. I think that, that in the short term, you know, I think maybe this time next year, Vermeeran might have cemented himself as a starter. But I think between now and the end of the season, he, he might be a difficult pick. You know, like one of them where you're trying to figure out, is he going to start this week or next week? Or are they going to yeah. rest him for the Champions League? Is it that? That's the little headache that you don't really have at the moment as a holder, which you can probably have. Or you might at least, yeah. you at least have it for the first few games, won't you? Like, let's see what happens once he signs. First three games, if he starts all of them, then you're, you're laughing. But... Yeah, I'm I'm expecting a bit of rotation there. But um but for me it also breathes life into like the the Al Hassan Yusuf card that I hold. And I'm sure there's a few other listeners that have him as well that would have seen that move and thought, well, that's our guy back in then. He should, you know, unless they bring in a, a fresh a fresh face. Um Yusuf was really good um in SO5 terms for Antwerp towards the back end of last season lost his place to Vermeeran through injury and just hasn't been able to get it back. And rightly so as well. I think Vermeeran's been much better, um, much more dynamic, at least. Let's say. I think like in the final third, that's where he is um, leaps and bounds ahead of Yusuf. But I think Yusuf, um, in like his sort of like break-up and defensive play, he's on par with Vermeeran. He gets a lot of um, interceptions. He's a really good reader of the ball. So I'm going to be excited to hopefully get, fingers crossed, we get a similar output from him between now and the end of the season that we had this time last year, because he was pretty clutch for me in terms of like U23 mids. And I've missed, I've missed that this season a little bit, like having, you know, like VM and aged out. Um, I've got Matt O'Reilly in, who gives me a similar output, but because I've only got like one at the moment in U23, I just really want another one who starts banging big scores in so that I can really like start looking at U23 uh, rare plus again as like a viable entry point because at the minute I'm moving O'Reilly into probably like All Star, um, so I've been I've been concentrating more on U23 rare, um, and just to pick up on that point 
it, it, that was came to me because someone in the chat who I kind of have to go through was talking about um do you have like a specific ratio that you work with from like goalkeepers to the rest of your um gallery and I said it in the chat but for anyone that's just listening um I typed it back out but I don't personally have like a specific ratio that feels like right from goalkeeper to the rest of my gallery because I actually hold a lot of goalkeepers that are not for now they're for like when they get in the team I just picked them up cheap because I think you know they're young and within three years they might be someone of you so I've got quite a lot of goalkeepers that I know I can't even consider for selection but I think for me and I don't know about you Quinny but as I mentioned earlier like looking in the game weeks ahead realizing that I've got a really strong team that does that but I don't have an entry because I don't have a goalkeeper it's things like that for me and like to talking about this point on like the U23 options if I had two really strong super rare U23 uh, players but I didn't have two two goalkeepers who were rare then I would look to be bringing in like a rare U23 because it made no sense to me to have like an O'Reilly and a Veerman if I weren't going to use them in U23 and have a strong goalkeeper option to pair them with and that goes across a lot of the regions for me any region that I really want to play if I don't have a if I have really strong cards in other positions that's when I'm like right goalkeeper needs to be on point or I need to at least have that option so that's kind of like how I work out whether or not I have got enough goalkeepers or it's more about having the right goalkeepers like if I've got a if I've got an absolutely banging Asia lineup, but I haven't got a banging Asia keeper or any keeper, then I really need to look at some of the kind of like dead spots in my gallery and see if I can swap some of those players out for an Asian goalkeeper that I can put to use. What about you, Quinny? Anything like that kind of work in your gallery? Uh, I had thought of a point and it just totally fell out like the back of my head there because I, I was looking at something else for a second in the chat. Can you just remind me exactly what we were mentioning there? What the so someone in the chat asked them that is there like a ratio in your gallery of like goalkeepers oh, yeah. to outfielders? Yeah, yeah. Um so normally when I've made like beginner content, and I, I kind of think about this for probably my, my blues and my blacks, I think the best place to start off is three to one. So for every goalkeeper you've got, you've got three defenders, three mids, three forwards. If you think about that as a base squad, maybe you don't get three forwards, you get four mids and two forwards, whatever, but I think if you do look at your champ Euro contingent, who's the keeper? Who's your number one defender? Two and three. Who's your number one midfielder? Two and three. Number one forward? Two and three. You'll get a five-a-side out of that, you know, like mm. almost every week. Even if it's caps, you'll probably be flexible enough for most caps with that kind of options, depending on, obviously, the quality. If you're buying all the Kimmiches and Canes, maybe not. Um, but, you know, within reason. And again, like maybe after a while you realise oh, the third defender never gets a game and then maybe you sell him and you get another mid who actually plays because the other mid you had didn't play or whatever. But I do think that gives you enough kind of coverage over the positions and like it leaves you flexible enough for later on if you did want to change direction or pivot ever so slightly or not like, oh, I've not got five mids and one forward and, you know, or you know, these kind of things that get a bit lopsided all of a sudden. One yeah. forwards out, you're screwed, kind of thing. So I think when you're starting off, certainly when you're starting a new strategy, I think three to one is a good um, is a good way to go. So a squad's ten guys is a nice way to think of it. Yeah, yeah, I like that. That kind of like bit of flexibility. But I suppose if you, I don't know about you, but I haven't. I look at the regions a lot later in my sort of selection process at the moment. Sometimes I'll look at U twenty three, or and at the moment now that I've had the wins that I've had it really opened champ up for me, but I didn't really used to play champ last season um, until 
obviously winning. I've won a lot of champ cards like Ter Stegen, Donnarumma, Mbappe, Kane and Kimmich. So like having those cards at my disposal, it's put champ front and centre. Um, and I'm really intrigued to find out, you know, Nicholas has kind of touched on it, hasn't he, on Twitter, that pro, like big, uh, like, Big names will be big names, and what what was the exact terminology you used? Something that was like stars be stars. Stars will be stars. So it's really put me off, like listing any like really big cards. I'm like, what does that mean? What what? How do you interpret that? Are we are we going to get like a tier zero league or something like that? What do you think? I think they should have. They should be under some sort of refinement, like further refinement. Of the tiers and such, because I heard Chani talking about this on Sorry Data this week. He kind of summed it up pretty well. But like at first, when they revamped everything, the star the star tier, the tier zeros was shallow. There wasn't that many names or faces in it, yeah. and that changed. And the the vacuum effect that has, you're then pulling better quality out of tier one into the star. You're then pulling the quality out of tier two into tier one, and then subsequently tier threes are becoming tier twos, and that's normally yeah. where the bridge of pain is because tier two, you know, like you can have a bit, oh, I've got a tier two, I finished 30th and under 23 rare pro this week. I'm going to get something maybe a wee bit fun. But if you get a tier two, that's absolutely cack. And then normally you look up the leaderboard, you see the quality of the tier ones that have came out at that time. You then think, well, I didn't really miss out on as much there, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and then yeah. you see the stars and you're like, hold on, that looks like a guy that was tier one last year. Or that looks like a guy that was tier two. Uh, three months ago or something i don't know i'm exaggerating but um so i think it's maybe getting back to that a bit more where if you land and forget the star category right because it's the few the the, the 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 small percentages of people that hit those categories but when you hit the tier two you hit maybe the top end of tier three you think this guy could make a difference this guy could help me at the weekend and again to go back to the ratio thing if you do build your first team out and i've got videos on the youtube channel that go into some more detail like how to build your squad and club philosophy and all that kind of caper. You'll find them dead easy. They're in playlists. But if you've got that one goalkeeper in 3-3-3, and if they're all, let's say you're playing cap 240, but they're all challenger-based, as soon as you get another goalkeeper in, you might actually have two-ish teams there already, anyway, organically, without having to do too much work. So I do feel having yourself, you know, like you do want to straddle a few bridges where winning that tier two, winning that tier three, all of a sudden, oh, wow, I've now got... Five defenders and five mids. I've still got the three forwards because maybe forwards are harder to come by. Whatever, I don't know. And then making it. So, so you want the tiers to get back to that level where you can advance your club by finishing 50th. You know, it makes a difference by getting into the top 100 by, you know, pulling a tier three in. Tier two, we've mentioned a few times. So I think it's hopefully more than that. And maybe there's less of them paid out on the regular increased, you know, kind of, no, I don't say the word scarcity, but increase maybe the prestige you know, they're yeah. a wee bit more exclusive, you know, they're not as readily available because although we know the scarcity of them, but premium items in general, collectibles, we talk about a lot, my kind of adjacent experience with them uh, on this podcast once in a while. But like, if people say something's a special edition and then it gets the same amount of issues as a regular edition would, you know, like normally you produce 10,000 cards of Messi and then you say, oh, we've got a special Messi card that's coming out. It's only 10,000 of them available, but... How special is it? It's just different. You know, it's not special, you know. So, again, with Soraya, it's a bit different because Kimmich scores better than other people. Mbappe scores better than other people. So, there's a bit of that that comes into it. But with things that are more expensive, like, it's not just scarcity, but availability is also something that you maybe they want to 
tweak, you know, ever so slightly, yeah. but they're just they're less readily available. Yeah, interesting. It'll be interesting to see how it pans out, but we'll be expecting some kind of announcement on that, I think, in the next few weeks, won't we? Because it feels like it was a little while ago that they mentioned that and we've had like a few pitch notes, but no major updates since. So um yeah, I'll definitely be keeping an eye out for that and uh hopefully an update on what's happening with the K League as well. But uh yeah. Quinny, we have covered a lot of ground today. We've managed to have a good old chinwag about all sorts, ranging from moves in and out of uh, the transfer market, moves in and out of your gallery, my gallery. And um, yeah, we even had a little bit of end product to discuss. So that was nice. And I'll be hoping for a bit this weekend. Quinny, have you got any particular fixture on uh, the game week upcoming that is uh, picking your fancy this week? So I... Um... Mad excited about a lot of games this game week, right? I'll say this to now. I, I I put a tweet out earlier, right? But I'm planning this weekend. I've got I've got zero wins at the moment, but I'm planning on going from zero to fifteen this week on rivals, and I'm only going to do games I'm watching, only games I've got cards in. I'm not stipulating that, but it probably will be. And uh, I'm going for it this week. I'm kind of so there's fifteen games I'm watch. I'm, I've got my eye on. <laughs> Let's say for this weekend. That is a uh, yeah. I saw your tweet about that. That's pretty interesting. I'll be uh, I'll be intrigued to see if you manage to do that. Fifteen in a row. I don't know about. I mean, on the subject of uh, rivals, I've just actually got a notification Ooh. there that Allow Bayers it has uh, made an error that's resulted in a goal, and they're now one nil down. So I was Yay. I managed I managed to kill off my streak, my seven win streak. Um, do you know what I've realised? And and I'm just I'm gonna I'm not gonna play rivals with any if any teams that I've got cards of because this week really yeah the the, the other night not you two when Bayern played the other night obviously I've got Kimmich Kane and Musiala and I thought three rare cards bang they're going in put them in there with Neuer and uh, Guerrero good lineup right captain uh, Kimmich he's got a boost all that. I got lined up against someone who had four limited cards, pretty much the same lineup, except they had Sané instead of Musiala. Or no, Sané instead of Kane, sorry. So pretty strong. Uh, wiped the floor with me. And I'm like, my, the value of my rares doesn't hold up against anyone who's playing with limiteds, but I get lumped in with them all the time. So I find I have much more success only playing games where there's a lot less interest on the platform from people, so not the big high-ticket games. Um, and, yeah, like them sort of like weird little fixtures that kick off at like 2 in the morning, and I'll go in there and I'll pick out the teams, it, hopefully, you know, at a time when if I'm awake at like 1 in the morning, which is rare. But that's my tip. Pick the games that less people are playing. Do not use any of your cards because you will only get matched up against people who've got loads of limiteds and wipe the floor with you. And unless you've got five players, don't use cards because you will just get matched up and you get the you're absolutely drubbed. And that every game I've lost on rivals has been like that. I've used a card and I've got like matched up with someone who's got four limiteds or something like that, or five okay. limiteds. I, um, I hate to I hate to ruin that story, Stash, but I've just went and had a wee peek. You beat that guy. What what one? Well, the Bayern, Bayern Munich game, you beat them by thirty points. Yep. I'm going back in. Well, I last like to look at this, mate. 
I like I to look at this right because this is a topic of conversation over towards the end of the show. This is a wee bonus section for anyone who's still <laughs> hanging on with us here. Yeah. But this is a thing I've been saying with rivals. The best five is the main thing that matters, right? So when you were telling me there that you had rares and you had limiteds and there was only one player different, I was really excited to see what the how it all kicked out. And you're dead right. You both had common Neuer. You had limited, eh, no, pardon me. You had common Guerrero. He had limited Guerrero. So his Guerrero outscored you by 20 points, right? Mm. You had rare Captain Kimmich. He had limited Kimmich. You outscored him by 18 points. You had rare Kane. He had Captain Limited Kane. He beat you by six. And then on the final spot, you had Musiala on 71 rare. He had a Coleman, 56. You beat him by uh, yeah. 30, yeah. 30 points, right? But you got 40 on Tiki Taka, and he only got to 20 on All Out Attack. So the best five players, if we're to look at it now for Bayern, right, you're picking the goalkeeper, you're picking Guerrero, the best midfielder is Kimmich, the best forward is Sané, and then the second best mid is going to be Goretzka. Now, I don't know if all of them would have been pluggable together, but I dare say if you had that lineup, limited, rare, common, anything in between, you'd have been really hard to beat. Yeah, so I'm... I've, I, when I last looked at that, I was losing, so I kind of put it to bed. I didn't realise I did actually win that one, but, um, but yeah, that's that's handy to know. But yeah, with with a lot of the other games I've played, I found that I'm better off playing games. I very rarely lose games where I've got no cards, whereas I've lost a lot of games where I've got cards. That's obviously the point I was trying to make about the Bayern one is actually false, and I did win that. But, um, but yeah, I found with. Uh, I've lost a lot of games where I've played with cards because I'm getting matched up with someone who's got a full lineup in limited. But like you said, it does boil down to play the best team um, because then if you do have cards, but you've still got the five best players, then you, you might have an advantage, I think. If you've got five limiteds, you're probably going to win um, unless you get matched up against someone who's got five rares, I guess, right? But um can't say I've been matched up the only time I've ever seen myself matched up with someone who's got like five rares or better is when I like play a friendly match against someone like Nanzo. And it's like, oh, I've been matched up against Nanzo. I've probably just lost every every time to him. But but yeah, when I saw that Bayern fixture, but yeah, I must have I must have nicked that near the end. Maybe the Tiki Taka was what won it in the end for me. But I remember looking at that at the time with probably about 10 minutes to play and I was I was quite far behind, so I think that maybe, maybe the Tiki Taka was what won it for me in the end. That extra twenty odd points, thirty points, that last ten minutes must have made the difference for me because I was definitely losing the last time I looked at it, and I put it to bed. But um, yeah, interesting. I've been yeah, I'll be I'll I'll be involved. I have noticed as well for anyone that's listening, there's been a few retweets on the So Rare Twitter feed. A um, little bit of more bonus injury time here. So we have been retweeting some sort of like community-driven um, competitions that are kind of like based around rivals. So if you do play rivals and you're looking at it this weekend, there is a few where you can potentially win um, like uh, league on like signed stuff. I think there's a French user who has like a three-game tournament. So if you challenge him across the Lyon, Marseille, and PSG games. The, the everyone's like three scores from those games goes into a leaderboard and then they'll pick like the top two places will get a signed shirt a normal shirt and then like a so rare hat so there's a few of those floating about so do 
keep your eye on the so rare twitter feed and see what they're reposting because there's a lot of these little sort of like mini tournaments that are being kind of micromanaged by other sort of content creators I'd, I'd say or influencers in the so rare community so who knows maybe maybe me and quinny need to give them a knock on the door and get the bit of end product uh rival special on the go what do you reckon quinny yeah i think we could do that for sure i've got see i've got a lot of stuff lined up for the weekend so especially boy the door's always open if you want to get crash i'll probably be doing some sunday night prime time again i like that late sunday slot it just feels like people are available to to watch and maybe to join in on the stream as well um but yeah definitely get some end product rival stuff on the go for sure definitely well best of luck quinny and everyone listening i hope you have a banging weekend make sure you're locked into uh, quinny's youtube uh, for the duration he's going to be doing a bit of marathon streaming it sounds like some proper like david blaine in their glass box vibes going on this weekend in the studio with quinny uh, locked well and truly into the matrix of uh, so rare rivals so good luck quinny hopefully you can make it 15 in a row um yeah and then i think if you do do that you need to throw the gauntlet down to everyone in the community to see if they can better it on a, a live stream so i am going to be rooting for you mate i'll be be keeping an eye out for that end product <laughs> get it all right everyone it's been an absolute pleasure um have a great weekend and we'll see you again next week cheers everyone <laughs>